we are live. Welcome back and you are listening to the Puckish Podcast. This episode is a segment of Skills Pay Bills where we interview people with interesting professions and experiences. I'm YJ and my co-host today is Nigel. Hello, Joining hello. us is our special guest Coco. Hello. The founder of Upture Digital, which is a 360 degree digital marketing agency that will help you craft your strategy according to your brand's uniqueness and objectives. Oh, I think it's hey, not you say that in one 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 voice, is it? I one know, I, one I, breath. I, I practiced it a lot before oh, we started. Oh, <laughs> I can see the practice. <laughs> Amazing. And and she I think Coco doesn't only help brands, she also helps um, individuals as well, because that's how we actually connected. Um I saw her starting this agency on Instagram and she was doing free consultations um for individuals mm. or or maybe even brands. And where she actually consulted you about your brand and spoke to you about how you can brand yourself digitally and online. So I thought it was such an interesting thing and that's why I inter- um, invited her on for the interview. Wait, do you need personal branding? That's why you approach her? Or, or? Of course. <laughs> oh, okay. okay I, I, I need to up my, my, okay. my branding and reputation. <laughs> and anyway, before we begin, um, I thought we would start with like the story of Coco. And I was hoping that you would describe for us your story and tell us more about who you are. Okay. Okay. I think um it's quite interesting because um I actually studied um I actually did Bachelor of Fine Arts in photography at NTU. Mm. And so all along I've always been a you know like more artsy and then honestly didn't really know what to do. Um but I guess like every other Singaporean after you graduate you're thinking like oh like what should I do to earn a living and stuff like that so instantly during the four years when I was studying I was like okay I love this I love photography I love fine arts um no conceptualization but like how am I gonna earn money mm. and when okay. it's like your passion I guess you don't really want to do it for a client yeah. right. so at the point I knew instantly like oh I don't want to do commercial photography and stuff like that I just want to do my own shit mm. so mm. like um that's when I was like okay you know what just let me try and explore other jobs and I came across this um event uh planning job for a dating company um, so I'm not sure whether I should name the company but anyways yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's fine okay. we'll so just guess like, yeah okay. <laughs> I mean there's only that, that few yeah. right, in Singapore so um, I did events for them uh, and at the same time I was kind of um, interested in writing on the side about my own life like specifically on relationships so like mm. things that I've learned um, through the different relationships and it was kind of more of um a, pro- a thought process to help me understand what went wrong in different relationships and then mm-hmm. you know um, some articles went viral and stuff so um, over time when there was a vacancy in marketing that's when in the same company in the dating company um, that's when they actually mm-hmm. asked me you know to take on the content marketer role and that's my first uh, experience in I would say like the first step to being a marketer mm-hmm. yeah from then. So I was in lifestyle doing relationships and all that. Um, at, at one point, I had this opportunity to go into something more serious, which is kind of like on, is like extremes. Yeah. And the other one would be um, blockchain fintech. So mm. specific, uh, spe- specifically helping fintech companies to, I would say like conceptualize um, their white paper, how to actually in, in integrate blockchain into the business along with my, my colleagues and then what's the go-to-market strategy. So essentially mm. that was like my path, you know, from like doing something very lifestyle and then going into something more serious, I would say like fintech, 
Um, and then now I'm doing something similar to what I was doing uh, in the fintech company, which is to help right. startups and you know smaller, basically lean teams uh, understand how can how they can be resourceful and achieve their marketing objectives uh, through you know limited resources. Right, well, that's a very long resume and very <laughs> extensive. <laughs> extensive resume. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I bet she also rehearsed this. Yeah, yeah I did. I was like thinking. I was like, oh shit, how am I gonna say this? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack there, like from from lifestyle, relationship writing, um, being a marketer there, and also then jumping to another whole industry of fintech and, and, and blockchain. And from there, how did the idea of Upture Digital come about? I think it was more of like, you know, how everyone knows how the cryptocurrency market is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wanted to do something beyond just proof of concept projects as well. So to help other startups um, out of blockchain and cryptocurrency. And um, I think that's the main idea. And mm-hmm. also I did see a market uh, for self-employed professionals. So mm-hmm. specifically like uh, financial advisors and real estate agents to help them understand how they can actually really structure their marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just running easy ads, you know, and then getting leads and stuff like that. So it's yeah. really understanding what value you provide. Yeah. So, so what's the concept of 360 digital marketing? Could you explain that? Because I see that okay. in the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. When you load the website, it says 360. Yes. Yes. Shit. Okay. Maybe you can, you can, can crack us. <laughs> okay. So maybe. actually, I actually rewrote uh, the copy and stuff like that. Mm. Oh. Um, it's actually omni-channel. So basically, it means Omni. the same thing. Okay. Omni-channel. Oh, okay, okay marketing right, right, right. and branding strategist. So basically to cover different channels, um, I'm not just tied to one specific platform. Oh, for, yeah. Right. So even if it's print, uh, I do that as well, but just less, um, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's not that popular anymore now. Okay. Yeah. So what does, um, let's say you're, we are completely new to this and you're explaining to someone for the first time, what does Upshare Digital do and how mm-hmm. does it do it? Okay, I would say that Upture Digital helps lean teams um, from startups to self-employed professionals mm. achieve their marketing objectives with limited resources. So mm. that's the one-liner that I have. Um, and how I do it, it's basically... Um, okay, I believe in helping all these people be less reliant on third-party vendors. Mm. So to really try to teach them as much as I can. Um, so during the consultation, the free consultation, I would understand what, where they're coming from, what the problem is, try to find out whether it's really a brand uh, clarity issue, mm-hmm. like do they not have an idea on what the unique selling proposition is, or uh, is it the execution that is an issue? And then after mm-hmm. that, I'll help them, um, you know, I'll do a review and assessment with details, and also a strategy and execution plan. Mm, right. Yeah. So from your... your You've done, from what I know, you've done a few like consultation calls and everything. Like, what do you think is the main um, thing people see? Like, you you were mentioning whether it was a personal branding issue or was it something along the lines of um, execution? So usually for for pers- for like self employed people or, or individuals, what do you see is mo- as mostly the the issue there? Okay, I think the main issue is that they are all very business centric. So they are very sales driven. They don't see the value. They don't naturally see the value of content marketing. They don't see the importance of that. Although it's been, you know, we've been discussing about content marketing, the longevity of all this content and stuff like that, how it can actually benefit and also 
you know, build up your brand uh, in terms of thought leadership and stuff. Um, so I think that is the key thing. Uh, they, they are unable to separate, you know, sales objectives, like business objectives from marketing objectives. So right. am I trying to look at awareness now just to build that uh, familiarity with people and then try mm-hmm. to convert, convert them uh, afterwards? It's always, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to get leads now. I just want to yeah. get sales now, you know. Wanna but you know it doesn't money. work that way. Yeah, I get their money. <laughs> right. yeah. what, what happens if they don't see like the results immediately, like, you know, within yeah. a month or so? Then do um, they like come to you like a bit panicky? Actually, I mean, I think that is natural. Uh, yeah. Even mm-hmm. when I was doing like fintech, although it's okay. just private fundraising, I think mm-hmm. it's just like a business people thing. Um, but at the start, uh, during the engagement, even before, during the kickoff, yeah. I would actually take the time to explain to them you have to understand that content takes time and also mm. it depends on what phase they are in some are already established businesses right yeah. and yeah. you can't really go back and redo everything for awareness so I would then help them to just jump right into achieving the secondary like objective right. which is the, right. the sales and all that yeah okay and and previously you also mentioned you had the, this career and lifestyle in, in blockchain and now you're venturing mm. out on your own I would mm. say and how how did it feel like was it was it scary? Was it liberating? Um, um, was it something you've always wanted to do? I guess deep down, yes. It's always <laughs> something I wanted to do for the last three years. Mm. But um, I was really very busy because as you know, crypto was crazy in the last like two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. At least, you know, in 2018, 2017, 2018. And so there was so, there were so many startups trying to do their shit uh, in the fundraising landscape. And mm. um, yeah, yeah, answer your question. Yeah. No, then yeah. after that. So, so after, <laughs> yeah. after the whole craze of cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. Where, where, at which point do you decide like, okay, no, now I'm going to do my own shit? Um, when I actually saw, honestly, it was just like social media. I saw a friend posting about like sharing a content of basically a YouTube video of her introducing this property. Oh, and then okay. I was like thinking, why, why is everyone trying to go towards that direction whereby it's so formal, I have to <laughs> talk about the property, blah, blah, blah. There's like no additional value that mm-hmm. comes with... Oh, was I lagging? Okay. So there's like no additional value that comes with that person that's selling it. Mm-hmm. So there's no additional like uh, input to help right. you better analyze what property it is. So I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's time to like just try and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you did you find the transition to starting your own thing difficult? Not really, because previously when I was in the advisory, I was doing um, what I'm doing already. So this includes you know getting trying to get new deals mm. and then structuring the whole package mm. and understanding how to negotiate and help clients understand everything mm. and then also reporting and profit and loss. So basically, it's kind of similar to what I'm doing now already. <laughs> Yeah. So what was the biggest challenge if everything was, you know, so, sort of like transposed over to your to your Sorry. personal business? Um, biggest challenge. Uh, I think it's trying to manage all the projects myself. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so you're working alone, uh, there's no like I oh, have I have people that I work with. Um okay, okay. I wouldn't say like uh I do have some partners that I'm talking to as well. But um, right. we haven't moved into the actual execution yet. Oh, I see. But okay. uh, I do have a pool of people that uh, I work closely with to help oh. me uh, get the de- deliverables out. Mm. Yeah, but you know, when it comes to, you have to do the strategy planning yeah. and then you have to make sure that you can fit yourself this month. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, and not only that, I think you have to worry about feeding, like helping feed the other person as well, like the the, the client that you have, because um, I think they are they are depending on, let's say, the agency to actually help them fulfill their goals, mm. and um, I guess there's there's pressure there as well, and and was so far as you were doing it, was this actually what you kind of expected it to be? Um, honestly, I thought it was gonna be much easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the famous last words eh? <laughs> no because like when it okay because when it comes to blockchain and crypto companies right they have they do a lot of fundraising so they do have a lot of funds to work with mm. and they are more like um, I would say they respond quicker to proposals and, and understanding like your strategy and then just okay let's just like move forward with it yeah. mm. they need to get mm. it done ASAP but I think now for um the uh, people out of the blockchain in uh vertical it will be really they want to know every detail so you need to really take time to explain every single part of your proposal mm, yeah mm. so i think things like that yeah i think it's also because like you said this these blockchain or cryptocurrency um, companies they have a lot more resources to kind of burn in a way like like they are, they can probably make mistakes <laughs> and and for smaller companies i guess it's it's the opposite you know they they have limited resources and that's why you want to help them also with with limited resources and and every little cent they spend matters mm. um as well I, yeah. I thought actually right it would it would it'll be easier with sort of individuals working with individuals than with organizations because there's they are more you know there's less channels to go through to, mm. to respond to your, whatever recommendation that you have actually but no mm. is it yeah you're, you're, you're totally right so I actually went into this and thinking like oh okay you know what self-employed professionals should understand the idea of investing in themselves right. so when I coach them I'm like okay this is how marketing works so I mm. do impart my knowledge but um, in fact it's the opposite <laughs> yeah it's wow. a bit shocking for me to see because I would assume that people think okay if I actually learn marketing I can use it in the future for anything yeah. Right. right so right. like they would be more open to exploring that um but in fact they are like oh you know what i'm doing well with my business or sales you know it's slow but i don't see the immediate need to move into marketing because it's additional work they mm. find it tiring and exhausting whereas mm. you know startups as businesses they would see um the the that that is actually necessary to move forward with marketing asap and i like, do you scared? Are you afraid of of failing your your clients in a way? I think yes, and it is usually at the start during when when I'm actually doing up the proposal. I'm yeah. always asking myself, like, can I actually really achieve this? Mm. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. It's not like yeah. I'm not a very business person, so you know, I'm not like okay, let me just like give this and then I'll try to achieve it, like whatever. I'm always trying to see, is it feasible? You know, does this really work firstly for them in terms of budget and then also that the sustainability of really putting in the effort uh, if I'm not the one doing it you know if the client takes on execution themselves mm, mm. yeah and I guess besides um, the failure of your clients also like for yourself do you think that or do you remember any sort of failure or like what you thought was a failure that has actually helped you now so like in the past it was you were considered a failure in the past like like you didn't pass an exam or you you didn't do something you were supposed to but actually it was it was right. meant to be a good thing in the end 
So do you have any examples of that? I guess um the idea that I've never been a very good student. Mm. Like I don't study very well. Hence, I went to like fine arts. So that's kind of <laughs> like the real reason because I can't fucking study. Well, I still went to NTU, <laughs> like, hello. Sorry. No, okay. So I was lucky. In, in secondary school, like I did okay, like pretty well because oh, okay. uh, I was quite hardworking then. Then mm. I got into a JC because my dad was like, you have no discipline to go into a poly. You'll definitely oh flunk. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that's yeah, so typical. Okay. Yeah. So I went to JC and then I was like, oh my God, worst two years of my life. Uh, and then I ended up doing arts. But then now in hindsight, mm. I'm like, okay, if I did study better, then I would probably be doing something really boring right now. Right, right. right. Yeah. You'd probably be part of the, the crypto companies. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I think, like you mentioned that, that um, going to fine arts and, and how like you didn't do well, that's why you, you kind of went into fine arts in a way. Um, but I think that's a, in... I think in Singapore, that's quite that's such a misconception. I think for about about like fine arts in general, because I think sometimes fine arts or that even arty subjects can be a, can be a lot more difficult intellectually than yeah. than some of the the but sciences. We are non-essential. <laughs> we are non-essential. No, you have to tell yourself that you're essential. That's the that's the main thing. You no, no. <laughs> I ingrain whatever the government has said already. Yeah, you are. He is. Nigel is very susceptible to government <laughs> messages. Yeah, it was quite sad though to to see that. But mm. I totally agree. I feel like um, in fact, I feel that the four years in NTU doing arts mm. has been the best four years in my entire life, because I think mm. um what they pushed us to do was to really think of how you can actually go. You know, when you do projects, it's not really for a client or to pass. Mm-hmm. As long as you submit, you pass anyway. So you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and I think yeah. there was a lot of like growth, like self-discovery, understanding yourself, and then, you know, knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, and then trying to be better. Right, I think yeah. that was uh, really, I grew a lot within that four years doing finance. Yeah. Right, right. And and like for me in, in school also, in university, one mm. of the favorite subjects I took was actually about photography. And it wasn't so much about it wasn't so much about taking the photos. Like of course that was that was fun also. Like you played the different cameras that the school had and everything. Mm. But what was more fun for me was actually like struggling with, with the art itself. Like what kind of um art do I want to put out, what kind of projects I want to do and, and thinking about what kind of messages it will give or mm-hmm. and also like interpreting other photographers like like um messages and and why they take a photograph in a certain way. I found that very interesting and something I've never really thought about before. So I I found that module very interesting compared to all those a bit um harder harder subjects in a way. Right. That um required just like like multiple choice questions or like this this there's always a certain answer to something. Yeah. But with with Yeah. <laughs> but I feel with more arts art subject it's you think a lot more. You, you there's no wrong answer also, which makes it more difficult. Which is mm-hmm. a lot like life. Like in life, there's there's not really a wrong answer. It's how you make your decision correct or right, mm. in a way. And and arts kind of reflect that, for me. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, me too. Yeah. But I guess that's why you guys are doing podcasts too, right? 
<laughs> to learn, yeah, <laughs> to improve from from our first episode, right? We were, you know, a bit haphazard. We didn't know what to say, <laughs> but now we are a bit, a bit more structured, lah. A bit more. Just structured. a bit, lah. One one percent yeah. more, lah. Yeah. <laughs> after how, after. How, how many episodes yeah. have y'all done in total now? Wow. Um, I think this will be our twenty fourth or twenty fifth recording. Yeah, um, but we have already released twenty, right? Twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we just recently hit a thousand downloads. Nice, so, congrats. Yeah, yeah. I think I contributed to that also. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, um, so it was it was it's been fun so far, like not only like being able to talk to others and we talk amongst ourselves also about how our different ideas and we kind of have a mini debate usually mm. in our own discussions about how we see things and why we view things in a certain way. Um, so I think there's a lot to say about arts in the way that you kind of uh, struggle mm. and you wrestle with that, those ideas that actually really reflect real life because real life is not really black and white mm. and you don't really get answers just like that from a textbook. Um, so there's definitely something there with arts that people should like take time to yeah. study also. And also I find that in, in a way our podcast was a bit of a personal branding as well. So mm. something that fits with what you do. So mm. I mean... Um, I was curious to find out, right? What like with with the clients that you get, let's say they are not very, how you say, refined, or yeah. or you know they 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 speak a certain way or they look a certain what way. What do you mean refined? Okay, they they are not confident <laughs> with the way that they present themselves. Okay. Then how would you sort of recommend them to, I don't know, you right. know, build their their personal branding in that way? You mean like on camera, like yeah, for yeah, individuals, yeah. So right? whichever there is like a front facing platform that they have mm. to go on, right? And they they mm. they just don't feel confident with the way that they look or they sound or they right. present themselves. Yeah, yeah. How Actually, would you sort of recommend that? Um, what? I think the the basic is that definitely there'll be a basic, you know, like camera or like media training to help them oh, understand. Okay. But I think it's really the narrative that has to come across. Hmm. So actually, if you realize. I mean, for people who speak or present themselves very well, they are mostly like very salespeople. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be like, okay, it's not, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like, <laughs> I do think that usually if you come with a lot of fluff, it just means that you don't really have the skill sets to do something. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, for example, let's talk about some specific like coaches or like motivational speakers. <laughs> do they really have the track record in terms of execution? Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, it's not like people like Gary Vaynerchuk, whereby he's really proving himself himself that he can do content, he can do marketing, blah, blah, blah. But it's, um, yeah, and I think I, w- I would help them understand this idea and ask themselves, what do you really provide to your clients off camera uh, during your sales pitch, during the conversations to understand what is the selling point and how does your service personally differ from others, like your competitors or your peers? Right. And then that's yeah. the value that should be showcased at the start uh, of every content that they do, mm-hmm. whether or not they speak perfect English. Yeah, I, I also think from that, what I struggle with or what I think what we struggle with with the podcast is also mm-hmm. what is our unique point of view and unique value proposition to right. for people to listen. Because if not, we'll be like what any other like podcast does. It's just, just talk, talk, sing song. Um, mm. And we want to be different, and I think that's one of the hardest parts of of branding or, or telling Starting your story. Anything in general is like that, right? I think. Yeah, I think yeah that's, definitely. That's the hardest part. Yeah. And um, finding your unique um, perspective in a way, and how how would you like 
recommend people to do that? I think specific to podcasts, right? And uh, I would say that it's pretty similar to videos on YouTube in terms of um, it's really, it's either you go very structural when you're building content for content platforms, which is businesses, blah, blah, blah. You can't tie it to one person, specific person. Mm. But I think for Pakish, it's like, it's really these three three guys, right? That are four. four. Yeah. There's, there's always one mysterious <laughs> one that comes on. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, yeah. So four of you, I think it's this is like the anchor to Pakish. And right. um, if you think about radio stations and whatever, why do you tune in to specific ones? Um, okay, not just for the music. It's mm. basically the conversation, the chemistry between all these uh, hosts. Right. And I think it's the humor. And you can't force that. It has to... Mm. So I think the best advice is to really just be yourself, be authentic. Right. You know, you like hearing best friends talk, right? Like how they converse. You know, it can be really ridiculous sometimes. Mm. But at the same time, that is what appeals to others. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she gave us free consulting advice. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> is this a secretly a consulting call? <laughs> Actually, well, sign up for this later. Yeah. $97. <laughs> but I... To your point also, like, I think also authenticity is one of the hardest things to do, especially for me. Like, I think it's, I'm not sure about Nigel, like, but for me, like, putting, putting myself out there and like saying that it's kind of like you're being more vulnerable also into to the world. You can't, you can't put on your, a mask and, right. and, and then present yourself to the world because people will see through that in a way, like in the end also. And, and I think that's what we are trying to do with this podcast also is to for all of us to kind of take off that that mask in a way and and be authentic um, with ourselves and to other people so which is i think one of the Mm. harder things for me to do right Um, i totally understand i think it's quite similar to when i started writing it was mm. very personal experiences and um there were many times when i was asking myself like should i really write about this because it reveals certain parts of me that i've never even told my friends for example um, and I think that has actually gave, gave me like more reason to complete the article. Um, mm. But of course, it has to come with a greater message, bigger message that I'm trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for example, uh, one that I wrote about was about, you know, crazy rich Asians. <laughs> so yeah, this, I felt that at that point, it was kind of like a similar situation whereby I was from like the low SES family and then I was dating mm. this guy who was like rich, Mm-hmm. Blah, blah blah, and then he told me, "Oh, like um, I uh, like I can't proceed with this because um of your background." So I was like, "Wait, that? what background?" Yeah, he said that after like months of eating. Yeah, so I was like, "Wait, what background?" And then he was like, "Oh, family background," and then what? he said, "Oh, but you're amazing, you know, blah blah blah." Uh, but I just feel that very hard to like move forward with or to accept. So that wow. that was when I was like, then I I just left it. So we didn't we didn't talk and whatever. Then I went to watch the movie, and then when I watched the movie, I was like the hell like it's so similar <laughs> but there's no happy ending la. and right. I just wanted to write about that instance whereby that I mean I knew that elitism is there but mm. I just didn't think it would, it would happen to me specifically because you know nobody has ever said things like that to me yeah. mm-hmm. and you know when it's your partner you want to be transparent with your your situation how you are as a person and at that point I didn't feel like I was safe being transparent and vulnerable Right. yeah so little things like that but I think that has really helped me grow into a stronger person in terms of accepting who you really are and embracing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually after writing, he actually told me, you know, I, I did check with him, like, is it okay for me to post this? He was like, oh yeah, go ahead. And then mm. after, when it went viral, he was like, 
actually I think maybe you should not like keep talking about this or like post it up because it doesn't reflect very well on you and your family. He said that to me after that was posted. So I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. Do you, so, are you still in contact yeah. with him? No, no. Okay. Definitely not. That sounds, yeah. that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite horrible. Yeah, and it was, I, I bet it was definitely tough for you to, to write that, that piece about your your struggles with a relationship and, and I think it sounds it sounds like such a such a shitty thing to go through. And and it's just I think it's always amazing when people allow themselves to put to be vulnerable to the world. Especially yeah. with a with a essay or article that got viral as well. And have you did you get any besides besides that guy, um did you receive any other like um, compliments or praise or maybe actually like some um, um, <laughs> people that you help people that you help yeah. you know oh, yeah, along yeah. the way with your article and stuff like that actually yes um, I've been writing like on and off uh, for the last three years hmm. or four years I can't remember and um, I think what kept me going was uh, to talk about relationship problems was um, hmm. the anonymous messages I've been receiving on Instagram specifically hmm. and also hmm. comments that people leave saying that, oh, actually, uh, I met someone like that as well. And then uh, this helped me, like, make a decision to move on. And then there was one acquaintance who came up to me and said, um, can you, like, write something about, you know, whether you should forgive a cheater, like a cheating partner? Mm-hmm. And I wrote something about it. And then months later, he, he messaged me again. He was like, you know, thanks for this. I actually broke up with her. We were planning to get engaged and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So it was a huge decision for him. And then he's happier now. So instances like that. And also on the other end, there's also other things that I've written when I was much younger. Mm. At the beginning, I was mm. like, I wrote about uh, Singaporean fuckboys. <laughs> so that I got crazy lot of like hate comments and like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God, from men in Singapore who are possibly like just fuckboys uh, and they relate to that article. <laughs> I think it's because they, they see themselves in the article. That's why they... They choose yeah. to like <laughs> send yeah. the hate messages. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, funny things like that do happen. Actually, what what you shared is quite interesting because what I would think about personal branding is at, that you have a public persona and then you have a sort of personal persona, and mm. then, but but the way that you put it right is that when you write, you show a little bit of yourself, and yet that helps build your personal brand as well. Mm. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you made yourself vulnerable and yet it has built your, your branding in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was quite interesting. I agree. I think when I started writing, I didn't expect it to go this way. I didn't even mm. know I was going to be a marketer. Mm. But I think it's also because of such instances that made me realize I have to be authentic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, even Absolutely. for businesses. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's really... Because I think especially now there's so much out there in terms mm. of information, in terms of people trying to grab your attention. And you kind of want to see yourself in other people also I think mm. that's where the trust is built that's where um, um, that whole like relatability is there because I think people just see like buy this buy that like come and come and buy my item and get my service and watch my show but <laughs> why like there's no really reason and the reason why is because usually you either see yourself in the other person or or you want to achieve something that that person has achieved mm. but actually like five years ago he was you so that yeah. kind of aspirational um, um, goal is there also and and that all stems from being authentic 
and especially with um with what you've done, I think it's it's amazing and and definitely I think that's why a lot of people um are willing to trust you with with their their brand mm. and their company also because you can be um authentic with yourself and can probably help them be authentic because I think that's one of the most important tools people need or skills people need to have mm. um to get themselves noticed out there. That's very true. But I think that when it comes to businesses, a lot of them are they question the idea of being authentic. Mm. Mostly mm. and people who do that are usually businesses which do not have any unique, you know, um right. selling idea or right. they can't differentiate themselves. So mm. there are things like that that we struggle with too. Yeah, cause like even for me, like when I go on to like, uh, want to buy something or go on to, or want to get someone's service or buy a a book or whatever, like the first thing I go to is to the about page. Like I want mm-hmm. to know about that that company and about what and who they are and who are the people working for it. If not, I I don't really uh, feel inclined to to get their service or buy from them. For all all types of items. Uh, mostly yeah yeah that's that's one of my like for me that's one of the criteria i want i want to buy from like other humans oh yeah i think that's very true i think if you see the shift in how consumers think right now it's really questioning the brand's um you know i would say vision and motto in the Mm. past you know when we do that for companies you're like why do i have to talk about my vision and motto you know there was no value in that but i think today it's um it's crucial in terms of the decision making process for consumers so mm. whether your brand is, you know, sustainable in terms of like the the process of producing an item and stuff like that, you know, mm. is it ethical? I think people are starting to question all the little things like that, which I think for new, um, I would say business owners or people trying to start their own business right now, they have mm. to actually take this into consideration. Right. The way I'm actually right. producing this item or my idea of selling, it's all about transparency now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just now you also mentioned that that you you did some like you wrote some stuff when you were younger and and the kind of the let's your say younger not, self yeah your younger self and <laughs> and the issue you had with school I think with with JC and how you I guess you didn't feel like you were meant to be there in a way yeah. um, and let's say you could turn back time now and talk to your yourself then like your eighteen year old self what would you advise her. I think I've been watching too much like films on like sci-fi, time travel. I think best <laughs> is to not interrupt. Don't even say anything. <laughs> don't interrupt <laughs> the timeline. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't even say anything. Don't appear. Just observe. I think I'm in a great place now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't change anything. But if I were to say something, it would be like, just be more confident and believe in yourself. Mm. Because I feel like mm. there were a lot of instances that, you know, people always try to put you down. And this yeah. is like such a typical story for anyone doing your own shit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why you're doing own, your own stuff right now. But I've ever had um, a manager say during my review that, uh, so there were a lot more like complications in between and then I realized she didn't like me personally. Mm-hmm. Although we, we don't work together much, we don't talk uh, much at all. Maybe mm-hmm. it was the way I was carrying myself, you know, I was a bit more loud and like whatever, DJF. So... Um, and then she said specifically to me like oh I assure you like with your skill sets and you don't study marketing blah 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 like there's mm-hmm. no one else that's gonna pay you more, more than this amount yeah. like you just have to and in fact you have to work harder than your peers and whatever. but 
but it was unfair at that point uh, to discuss that because I was doing essentially very different things from my peers. They right. were doing, you know, like ads and whatever. Mine was solely content yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, I think that was when I decided to really, you know what, let me just like believe more in myself and just try to prove others wrong. Mm. I didn't argue. I just took it. I was like, okay, like, I understand. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, things like that do affect your, your progress and the way yeah. you think about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at a younger, younger age also. It, yeah. It really affects you mentally because you're just starting out. You want someone who's supportive of your career and, and willing to help you along. And I think a lot of times people tend to try and put you down. Um, like for me, I've never really worked in a a traditional like company setting or a, or a corporate setting. Mm. But maybe Nigel will have some insights on that because he came from a PR agency background. Mm. And yeah. if I think he also had some, maybe a bit of issue with with management and and his superiors sometimes. Yeah. Uh. Just just the inability to speak up. So something that you said was um confidence, right? So mm. that really resonated with me, because I think even when you have a junior position, you need to say something. If you see something wrong, just say it, right? Yeah. But you know my inability to to do so at the start, sort of like so snowball, and it became a bigger issue. Than, than, than first previously so what you say about confidence is really not just about carrying yourself but also to, to raise something when you see something that, that is wrong mm, exactly yeah. but I have a question when you mentioned like uh, bigger issues what kind of issues like personally or like professionally so so like just professional um, like relationship with your manager if, if you mm. see that he's not really doing something that is um, that you see is right and then that would sort of affect the way that you um, deal with him and work with him and then because I didn't raise the issue at the start and then it sort of snowballed into a whole like you know maybe I cannot work with him blah blah and then you know the this 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 matter could have been solved if I just said you know uh, talk to him earlier and then discuss with him my, my issues with him mm. yeah. so it's, it's really about working relationship mm. but that's often like the hardest seriously <laughs> Yeah. yeah, people management like the worst. <laughs> yeah, like for from from my experience also like even though I've never worked in a like a a company setting, I've worked a lot with um friends, mm. and mm. mostly mostly with friends or I got work through friends and I think a lot of time even then speaking up is I would say even more important because there's more on the line in terms of your personal mm. relationship with that person. Um. Because I think a lot of the times we assume because you're friends, you, you can get away with certain things or you can ask a bit more from from the other party because, you know, friend, we know each other for, for mm. don't know how long this duration. Right. Why can't you do this for me? And I think one of the hardest things, like, like, like you mentioned, was like per- managing personal relationships. And I think it's also, for me, since my only experience has been working a lot with the people I know, it's that it's a lot harder with the added like personal relationship on top. Mm. And because there's a lot of assumption that I will I will do this, I will I'll take care of this for you, but but then they expect to pay you less for it because you're friends. Are, are you are you still friends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um not really. <laughs> oh no. Um so so th- those those relationships have, have really um panned out well for me and a lot of the times, um, a lot of the times, I wish that I would have um, 
become clearer with with my expectations yeah. and had that discussion about what to expect beforehand and that is I think super important and from what I've seen or what I've heard other people say is people rarely want to approach that subject yeah. or to have that conversation but actually that conversation the harder it is the more important it is to have is um, it an Asian thing uh? we're just too timid <laughs> Yeah, I try to be polite all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannot just say, hey, fuck, la, please, la, please. Please get your <laughs> shit together. But what's your advice uh, for like people who are trying to start businesses with friends? Because you know, like we hear that a lot, don't do business with friends. Yeah. But yeah. Um, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a period of time, um, I, I didn't want to, I, I thought it was such a flawed concept. To, to do business with friends um, because there's so much at stake but I think one thing I really learned was to really just say things up front and, and put things out there that this is what I want to achieve and this is what I need from you are you willing yeah. to, to help me and so far I think this past year because I've been working I've still been working with friends <laughs> even though I want to, wanted to avoid it but, but I ended up doing that in also like um, so some the other person on this podcast Vin so yeah. I worked with him at a production company um, for the first half of the year. And um, so a lot of the times we had to kind of tell ourselves what we expect of each other. And although it was quite difficult because you had to transfer from a personal relationship into a professional one, yeah. um, it took a bit of time to work that relationship out. Um, but that is what is needed to, to, to not mm. lose your personal relationship with that person and to both progress professionally mm-hmm. and I think the same with this um, podcast also like I'm working with like two of like also Nigel and Amiel the other um, co-host I knew I've known them for about more than 10 years yeah and and Vin I've known him since uni so that I think has been seven years seven six years already six years yeah yeah so I've known these people for for quite a while and and there's a lot more at stake if, if things go go wrong. So I think what we always try to do with each other is be upfront with what we expect and what we yeah. need from each other. Like, yeah, it's like not easy also because we four have like differing opinions on how like podcast should go or, mm. or what topics that we should talk about. And we always have this like constant like argument, discussion <laughs> as to as to how like, you know, what, what to talk about or even when we settle on a topic to talk about, we, we, we don't know how much to, you know, what, what kind of research to, we should do and things like that. So like one, one example was the, the whole politics thing mm. where, where we none of us knew anything about yeah. politics, right? And then GE was coming. But but YJ raised a, a really good point that, that we, we should be learning more about politics rather than shunning the topic away, what? Right? whereas I was like but we don't know anything then we're gonna sound very stupid right on the podcast <laughs> so so it's just a lot of like back and forth but then you come to a compromise and you come to an understanding that oh actually it's quite important to talk about it yeah. uh, and, 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 and people actually um, like to see the process of us learning or the, the journey of us like actually mm. understanding what, what uh, Singapore politics is about mm. yeah yeah. I think that's that's quite interesting because I think that uh, previously we were talking about you know being authentic and stuff like that. I think yeah. these are the instances that you can really help because I'm sure there's a lot of Singaporeans who don't know anything about politics and yeah. stuff. Mm. And then they will relate to you and oh, you know, like I learned this and that through the podcast and stuff. But how do you usually manage the whole 
like content planning for people. <laughs> I, I, I have reduced. a secret. There's a secret to that. Um, there's no planning. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, okay, no. We 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 throw ideas onto a onto Excel sheet and right. see what works. Yeah, yeah. Then the, then random. we discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it, at least like one or two weeks in advance or a few days in advance, we like throw the idea there. Right. Then then we like talk about it. Then see whether there's anything to to mm. say about yeah. the topic. Usually, usually the content is quite spontaneous. Mm. Like like for example, the the last one we 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 recorded and we we will release later. It's about does travel broaden your horizons, yeah, and that was something yeah. we 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 kind of proposed like a day before, like a few hours before the topic. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> it's not always the case, but yes, yeah, yeah. Putting out there is not always the case. We yeah, need yeah. to plan for certain <laughs> things, um, but I think we also try not to shy away from that. That, that spontaneity or that um, some of the topics you just think this is interesting like you think we can talk about it then if people kind of they digest it they think I'll have this to say I have that to say and then we just do it mm. because I think um, that is also an authentic part of ourselves also that, that sometimes we are spontaneous about certain things sometimes we, we plan mm. ahead like what we plan actually was what we did the most planning was at the start where we said we set a goal of the how many episodes we want to do, mm. what kind of segments we want to do. So that those kind of set the framework mm. for the content we want to put out. Yeah, so or the smart people that we want to speak to. <laughs> yeah, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to to learn from, and that's yes. why we kind of like have that two different segments of um, what we talk about just ourselves and what we and the interview segment where we want to learn from others. Yeah. And mm. it also came from the need to to kind of hear because we always wanted to hear these stories from other people and we didn't we didn't really get that right. um, from what is from what is what is existing now mm. um, so a lot of the content planning came at the start and that set the framework for how we wanted to do things of course it wasn't perfect like there's some things that we forgot to do never do <laughs> or do wrongly like uh, what like never introduce guests or no, <laughs> never introduce like fellow each co-hosts other. <laughs> each other oh and right. never introduce guests. Yeah, or like sometimes I post on social media I put the wrong episode name on the, <laughs> the wrong episode number. <laughs> but you can edit it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, oh, like Instagram I just take down and put again or, yeah. or edit it. But I mean those are the, the small things that can be changed yeah. but but these are the mistakes we do here and there. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. the entire episode the, the recording the audio recording is like off then yeah. you have to like find scramble and find ways to to find other and like other ways to get the audio. But I, f- I feel like that is a production issue. Like regardless what you do, it's like events. Right. Ah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and production because I guess production you have so many things to think about sometimes. Like <laughs> even for photography, like, like you have to decide what lens to bring beforehand, what whether your memory card correct or not, whether format really, whether your battery is charged, <laughs> all this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Okay, so do do you still do photography on the outside, like on on as your hobby or something like that? You know, I never did. Like, oh. yeah, I never did already. Like, <laughs> I tried though. There was one point I was like, okay, you know, let me just do a shoot every weekend. Yeah. And then I did my first shoot, and then I was like, I'm so fucking tired. Too much work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, not gonna do this. So like every now and then, I do take photos of like people that I love, like, like my family and mm, all that. Yeah. When it's convenient, I don't plan mm. a shoot yeah, yeah, I don't like planning. But I think it's very interesting what you point out, like um. I think that you have a plan. There is a framework, as you mentioned. And I think people, especially marketers and content creators, they need to always strike a balance between 
going with the plan and also adding new trending ideas and topics. Yeah. So being flexible at the same time. Yeah. I think that's crucial. Like there should be a guideline, but you shouldn't be following it too strictly or like closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like even like we couldn't plan like what we're going to talk about tomorrow like i think we'll end up talking about decosh and what's happening there oh, please don't sh- please no, <laughs> why not yeah why not nigel yeah just See, now now you're having a real life um, discussion <laughs> what we should <laughs> talk about okay, really. we'll, we'll talk about it later <laughs> but but yeah we we a lot of the times like our weekly ep- um episodes we talk about what's happening throughout the week or what's been happening so you can't really plan for that you can only really mm. plan that you want to record once a week about it um, so that's where you like you mentioned that you have a framework but you also have to be flexible with um, the kind of content you put out because it has to be relevant it has to be um, timely also mm. so that's what we're trying to we, we try to do for ourselves um, yeah we we talked a lot about podcasts um, let's go back to you a bit because <laughs> <laughs> I think people want to learn more about, about you and what you do also and I guess like you mentioned, you also mentioned before and that, that now your main struggle is with account management and sometimes mm. you guess also like I guess also people management in a way mm. at certain times and whenever you find yourself feeling overwhelmed or maybe a bit unfocused with your work because I think as an individual working on something it's very easy to get lost in um, what work you do and what to do next and, and what to plan and so whenever you find yourself in these situations what do you do like do you um what kind of questions you ask yourself to get you back on track or are there certain routines that you try and ground yourself again i think um as you mentioned like there are definitely a lot of instances like that because firstly i'm not very good with stru- uh, structure because mm. i'm a very abstract thinker so i need to kind of visualize and see my thoughts which is why I write. Right. And then after that, I try to put up, you know, a structure. But sometimes my structure doesn't work either. So mm. I think things like that uh, do affect me quite a bit. And I go to my sister, who's good with structure, or like mm. my boyfriend, mm. who's good with structure, to, to talk to them with, uh, about my problems. I can't, mm. I can't uh, figure it out myself, for sure. So mm. I think this is something that, like, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. I think it helps to talk to people with um, strengths in, in ways that can complement your weaknesses, like, Right, right. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point to always have that um, group of people that you can rely on to complement you and yes. and help you along. And exactly. this is like even for me, this is something I'm trying to 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 do for myself also. Like gather a group of people that that I can go to for advice or something bots for certain things that I'm not confident of or <clears throat> or need help with. Mm. And I think I, I think almost everyone should have that, or everyone should have that. Like you know, big companies have a board of directors where they do that, mm. and why not? Why not individuals as well? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the first step to that to that is really to recognize that you have you know all these weaknesses, and I feel like people struggle at the first part. Right. Right. Mm. Like they want they want to see themselves as a uh, invulnerable and 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 strong, but. <laughs> Part of part of being strong is also knowing what you're not good at, and mm. helping others and using others to to help you, kind of fill in the gaps. Mm, exactly. But, yeah, and for for what you you've done or what you're doing, have you heard of any 
um, bad recommendations or bad advice you got when you were starting out because I think a lot of um, like from our experience there's a lot of people like to chime in on what you should do what you should not do um, yeah. you do this confirm fail one, or you do this confirm, yeah. confirm very good they like, tell oh, us oh, do 40 minutes la, do 30 minutes la. nobody want to yeah. listen to you that long yeah. that's what they say yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah so like for you what, what were some of the things that you've heard when you were right. starting out Okay, so I'm quite stubborn. So at the start, <laughs> when I kind of knew and figured out my direction, I didn't want to go to people with similar backgrounds, so like marketers for right. advice. So it was more like the business aspect. How should I approach all these people? Do you think this is feasible? So people out of um, my industry, hmm. uh, which are, you know, my sister, my boyfriend, who are like salespeople, they hmm. understand how to, you know, uh, work towards something. And then um, because I kind of already knew what my direction was, um, what the niche should be and then who my target audience were and that's when I just like went ahead with it um, and mm. I think that it's important for people to kind of really stand your ground and not seek for too much advice um, I think for myself there hasn't been any advice that I think was like shitty but you know seeing people in the industry doing things definitely one way that a few marketing agencies are doing it's like really telling people that you don't need to work for it I think that's the worst mm. advice you can give to people who are trying to get You don't better need to work for it. Yeah, so it's like what? easy. It's always oh, like oh, easy. Right, you right, can right. just do this. You don't have to take time to right. build content. You know, things like that just for clickbait. And then, uh. you know, trying to convert into sales. So I think, but the problem is that it works. That's the frustrating <laughs> thing. Like it works for them because that's what yeah. they're familiar with. Yeah. Right, right. Because I guess like you say also sometimes some people are just good at like shouting out their message and the kind of audience they get are those people that hear you shout and not really those people that know you or hear your story. Yeah. And those are two different kind of... Um, and I think that's for also two different kinds of businesses. Also, Some businesses, they just need the eyeballs, but mm. some businesses, they need your attention mm. more than more than others. And it can work for the kind of business that needs eyeballs, like you need people to give impressions and this and that. But... I think for other businesses that, that rely on a customer's attention, it definitely doesn't work. Yeah. Mm, that's very true. Mm. Um, yeah, and from that, how... So I'm now thinking as a, as a, someone who wants to approach you for for your help and your, your kind of Is this service. a test? <laughs> no, it's not a test. It's, it's like... This is, this is for Nigel because because you already helped me <laughs> with, with with what uh, consultation and yeah like if someone were to come to you like what would be like um kind of like a number one thing you would advise them usually mm, I think take more time to to really just think about the business model mm. and then think about your own strengths how this two comes together for because I do think that when it comes to starting a business uh there's only two aspects that will contribute to your su- success if you have it. Firstly, it's that if you are already in the community that you are trying to serve or provide for. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I'm already in marketing. I know fintech startups, etc. Yeah. And then the second thing is that you have direct or exclusive contact to suppliers right. or contacts. I think these are the only two factors that will determine whether you should be doing this or not. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, if you want to move into an industry that's already saturated, for example, if I don't know much about marketing or startups, I don't know many startups, I haven't been to conferences, etc. I wouldn't even mm. dare to try it because it would be hard. 
Yeah. Right. And it depends on what service you provide. Um, mm. I think these are two key things that I would tell you know people who haven't started their businesses mm. and are still in the process of conceptualizing. Right. Mm. Right. And do you see that as the biggest challenge that these um, startups and maybe even self-employed people face? Mm, actually, not really. I think that because people that I'm serving right now are all you know people with existing businesses with revenue. Mm. Right. So um, there is a proven business, but the question is, is it good enough? That's oh. why they are they are looking to do more marketing. They want to expand. They want to go beyond. And then that's a different thing we're talking about. Like, are you doing it the right way? Execution. And then what's the strategy? Do you have the right purpose in mind when you do something? Mm. Yeah. Right. And another question that comes to mind is that you are you are a proponent of content marketing. I would say, and and that mm. you you believe in it. So what if how would you kind of answer someone that says, I tried it before, it doesn't work. Mm. It um, doesn't bring me money. It's, it's not worth my investment. Like how, how would you really counter that? Because I think that's what um, people usually answer, especially yeah. business people that focus on sales and money. Because for people like, like Nigel and I, we are both like in the media, media side of mm. things. Like he does PR, I does, yeah. I do a bit of, I don't know what I do. Real <laughs> um, <laughs> everything. Um, and and sometimes when I talk to friends who who have their own business, they're kind of struggling with it. They don't really see content as an important aspect of it. Mm. They they see more of a like like I have to put my my brand and my service in front of people in in their eyeballs like mm. like all that. And how do you usually tackle that that question or that? How do you answer that when people say it's not? really important and, and I don't really need it. Mm, right. I think it really boils down to the nature of the business. But in the situation that I think that the business needs content marketing, and then that's when I will actually review the efforts, like look at the articles or are they, do they really need to write or do they need to do video content on other platforms? You know, these are things that I mm. would ask and also evaluate mm. for them. And um, I think one mm. key thing that I'm trying to push for is really the sustainability of doing it. You know, so right. a question I would ask them is, who's doing it? Is it your marketing team or is it yourself? What is feasible for you moving forward? And then from mm. there, I would strategize something for them that they can actually manage. Right. I can help with the topics, you know, the curation of um, top leadership articles, etc. But it really boils down to whether they can do it or not. There's no point trying to push for something that they actually really just don't believe in. But mm. of course, at the same time, it's really helping them understand the value of content. I think it's firstly selling the narrative you know, the, mm-hmm. and showing the value that you have as a company before people actually use your services or buy your products. And then I think that ties in with thought leadership. I think it's you know, the buzzword for now. Like everyone's talking about thought leadership right now yeah. uh, across all kinds of content. So that is actually really crucial. And if you don't start now, look at your competitors. Are they doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, if they are doing it, you should be doing it because you know, you're missing out on this market. So this is another way that I would try to convince them. But in a situation that they really can't afford to move forward with content marketing, then yeah, I just have to go with the flow. I mean, sometimes, you know, doing consultancy work, agency work, it's just really making sure that it's a balance between what you think is best uh, according to their own preferences. Yeah, I think I think sustainability is, is a key, definitely a key aspect to it. Because if... If they can't do it long term, I think content marketing is a very long term kind of game, uh, kind of um, strategy. And 
if they can't do it long term, then there's no point in forcing them to do it. Mm. If they don't have the resources to, and that's definitely a good point because I think for me a lot of times like, like I always recommend people to to, to put themselves out there to write to, yeah. to um do different things, but um I don't really consider the sustainability side for them, mm. and that's definitely important because a lot of the times what the business is or even what people do is what they actually do consistently and if they can't do it consistently then there's not really a point to actually starting it yeah and sometimes it does also in fact of like not doing something um it actually gives people this negative impression of the company like oh maybe mm. you you don't have enough resources now to continue with writing maybe you're right. too busy doing right. things yeah stuff like that right that's a good point yeah and so Wes, you're you're running this this agency now, and what does your day to day comprise of? Like mm. you mentioned, you 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 work with also different parties, also um, some some individuals. So what does your day to day comprise of, and and how do you maybe structure your day? Right, um, I like to be flexible. I don't like a strict like nine to five. I can work mm. at night. I work best at night. So I think I do more meetings and calls uh, in the day and then really just working on proposals and deliverables at night. Mm. It's very simple. And then like in between, I just do my own thing. You know, I take a nap, you know, go out for <laughs> coffee, meet my friends. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> well, a, nap, a nap in the day is the best. <laughs> so Wait, so, so if, if you need to gather new ideas, right, for example, for this new client, how what do you do? Like what kind of hobby would you say? You mm. let your stress out. Hobby. Yeah, I don't know anything like. Oh, like de stress, is it? Yeah, yeah. Any way to de stress other than um, you know adding structure and all that. At this point, I don't have a channel of like that. <laughs> oh no! Because okay, I used <laughs> Time to. to find one. <laughs> I used to drink a lot, so mm. I think uh and like I enjoy I love music, so right. I like going to clubs just for music and drinks and hang out with my friends. But okay. Um, now we can't do that obviously so yeah. then at the start I took up like you know I started doing more yoga and stuff mm-hmm. but then I injured my wrist so I can't do like yoga stuff now mm-hmm. and I think Netflix helps a lot and understanding that it's a work-life um, integration right not yeah. balance yeah, but like happened. yeah you know you can't really you can't hate doing your job because yeah. it, then it really makes you not want to do it at all so if you really embrace that, okay, this is just part of your life, it's integrated, you can do it at any point of the day. And at the same time, you can still go out and, you know, yeah, maybe socializing helps. For yeah. me, you know, talking to people and I think listening to other podcasts as well does really help, you know, mm. to, to understand better or gain better insights. But I think when it comes to helping clients uh, with an industry that I'm not familiar with, just a lot of research you know, just research, uh, understand mm. the competitors, what's at least the market standard. I think that helps. For sure. And and you mentioned like these kind of lifestyle changes that you, you've made so far. And in terms of your lifestyle, what has there been a one big change or maybe a, a biggest, a best like investment you've made in yourself? in your life and, and how has it changed you and what kind of benefit do you think you'll bring to others? Why are you laughing? You're going to say Netflix, right? Or something. No, it's... <laughs> I was going to say lazy. Like oh, doing okay. lazy. Yeah, I think it's Why? like... It's super random, but 
Uh, because I've been wearing contacts for like years, right? Mm. And then I used to travel a lot for my work and it's a pain in the ass. You know, mm. like waiting for the flight and then boarding the flight and then you can't nap because you have contacts on. Oh, right, and then right. yeah, and then waking up in the morning, rushing to meetings, you have to struggle. And if your eyes, because my eyes are dry, so it's very sensitive. And like, and then when you, you wear your spec spectacles, and then it always like droops down. It's annoying. <laughs> so I think LASIK is like the best shit ever. Like I can shower and I can see myself in the mirror. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry, we we can't relate. We both have not bad eyesight. <laughs> oh seriously? Yeah. Right. Wow, that's the best. You save like five to six k, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, do you do the LASIK in Singapore? Yes. I yeah, I think Singapore is the safest to do it. One of the safest places to do it, right? Yeah. yeah, I would think so. Totally. Yeah. I mean I mean we wouldn't know. We we've never really <laughs> considered it. Stop rubbing it in, la hello. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm, man. Happy, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I guess besides that it's really just the going to uni, I guess, doing fine mm. fine arts. I think that really was great for, you know, growth. Mm. Yeah. Right. And what were your biggest what have been your biggest challenges so far, you think, in terms of your your life mm. and what and bes- and also just to think about it, what are your biggest wins you would say as well? Right. I think the biggest challenges I have it's firstly to be aware of like my own weaknesses like I mentioned. Um mm. and I think it's discipline. Having discipline. I struggle with that all the time, even until now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think planning ahead helps. You know, reminders on your calendar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, biggest wins would be, you know, actually really proving other people wrong over mm-hmm. time. But then you're not always thinking about them. It's just like subconsciously. It's oh, not okay. a motivation for me. But like once you, you receive a comment and stuff like that, you start to, you know, think that, I mean, just take it constructively, objectively, and then acknowledge that there may, su- there may be some things that you need to improve on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just work towards it. And then eventually, before you know it, you're, you're doing better than before. Oh yeah, one one thing I, I I wanted to ask you before before I forget was so and we were on our consultation call previously and you mentioned um for self employed people or people starting out um, mm. to kind of use LinkedIn as mm. a as a tool for for getting yourself known and and growing your personal brand in a way. Mm. Yeah. Um and you said that it has worked for you as well. Yeah. And could you maybe talk more about it because I think a lot of us I think like for me I've been um, looking for different kind of work what what kind of jobs are out there and mm. I think the primary resource has been LinkedIn in terms of, of a job search and, mm. and kind of connecting with people and how would you say that people can go about navigating LinkedIn right okay I feel that um, how I started was basically because I was in blockchain it was a very close community. Um, we had to really kind of know everyone and mm-hmm. spread the word. So I was kind of forced into that position to spam my connections. But mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of like a viral effect, like once you start doing it, other people start doing it as well. So everyone's trying to add you and connect with you and they are mostly in the same industry. Right. When you see there's a lot of mutual connections, that's when you request for one. So I think it oh. helps. Uh, but I think try to spam within like few days yeah (laughs) 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 or like get like maybe 3,000 connections in the same industry uh, and include your target audience for your business 
So I think mm. that's how you start connecting and just share with them. And I think a lot of uh, people are doing it wrong in terms of um, specific to like financial advisors or like even BD people. They're spamming like, oh, hi. And then they send a chunk of text and like the document and say, yeah. oh, please look at this. Like, you know, we'll provide services and then like, let me know if you're interested. I think the, it's mm. really just being authentic again and sincere. Try to get to know the person. Just send a mm. simple message. Oh, how are you doing? Mm. I want to know you better. Then maybe talk about your work sometimes. And then over time, build the trust, the relationship, and then offer your service. I think that being authentic on LinkedIn is something that I, I find like counterintuitive. Really? What I, see, I, I see a lot of... Um, this is my personal experience. Because um, mm. I just started to look at it a bit deeper now instead of just using it for, for job search or just browsing like I've seen um, a lot of people what they mostly 90 I would say 80 to 90% of what people post are like repost about news and, and mm-hmm. just like their company mm-hmm. stuff um, mm-hmm. so it's like it's, it's like kind of they're broadcasting their company message board onto onto LinkedIn also and mm-hmm. um but I see that the people that do have the have the or, or the posts that are the most popular are those authentic ones where they talk about their experience. And I guess for me I, I struggle with wanting to do that because mm. I I'm afraid of maybe people judging me or having a different impression of me because I see it as like a professional platform. Right. Um so that's mm. what I struggle with and and do you have you felt that way as well? Mm, I do uh, which is why I don't really share my relationship articles on LinkedIn so I think while you have to push your message out you have to be strategic so for example if you're going to share something personal personal project but how can you angle it such that people in business in the business world corporates can actually benefit from right so I think it's always asking that key question I mean after all LinkedIn is a more professional and corporate centric platform but how do you bring values through personal means and and showcasing yourself as an individual. This is what I can do. Um, and if you're, for example, you know the letters thing that you, you're doing, hmm. the postcard thing. So if you're able to show that in your personal time, your hobby is already content creation, I think that builds a lot of um, credibility mm-hmm. to know that, okay, he's really passionate about this. He does this in his own time. I trust him to, to, to do more content for other people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust someone who doesn't have content. Right. Doing and then doing content right. for other people, yeah. Right. So besides um, Upture, is there anything else that you are currently working on or any hobbies like you mentioned? Anything that, in the works. Yeah, anything in the works that 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 people should should look out for. Mm, I'm not personally starting anything, but uh, I have I'm working with a partner, uh, mm. on doing fintech courses, so mm. things that yeah, so to really learn and then actually be able to find a job after that. Yeah, so we are still okay. in the process of trying to firm everything up, but we'll be able to share more once it's ready. Nice, nice. Yeah. I think a lot of people still don't understand what what contact <laughs> or, or crypto. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about Nigel, but but I, I I have no idea what's going on there. You see, you see terms such as like Bitcoin and 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 like I don't know crypto and fintech, like all these big yeah and all the scammy with, coins. Yeah, with multiple zeros, there's like the the Doge coin also, like yeah. the dog. <laughs> I know, I have no idea what's going on. It feels you like, do know about that though. Yeah, I've 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 read, I've tried to to read up and learn about it, but it's it sounds complicated. I see the Doge coin, I just laugh and and how do I buy this? <laughs> That's all I want to know. How to get a Doge coin? I think 
I think the the good thing is that uh, I think fintech platforms are getting more intuitive and uh, mm. beginner friendly. So right, right. I think within the next few years, it may actually be a little bit more mainstream. Mm. Yeah. Mm, for sure. Yeah. I think there are now also like um, phone apps that you can just buy and sell Bitcoin also. Yeah. Um, so I, I recently bought like my first bit of Bitcoin. Oh. You don't know anything you bought? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, because Bitcoin is like number one, and like you know, it's like you've heard that since like for five years. So I guess it's reliable. It's, it's still there, and and yeah. everyone's talking about it. So, um, yeah, why not? Just just a small amount, like a hundred bucks. Mm, mm. Um, then then just see how it goes. Or how much do you buy it? How much was Bitcoin when you? I think it was, twelve k sing. That. Then it went up to 13 and then 15 and then it went back down. So it's, it's still very okay. like volatile but I think yeah. it's more of a long term. Like see well. what happens five years later. Coco was silently yeah. judging the <laughs> 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 No, I think, I think that I was quite expensive. The... <laughs> yeah, but, but I think $100 is yeah, fine. But I only, yeah, it's just $100 of it. Um, hmm. I don't if you if I sit and wait for it to, to become to be like 9k or something I think it'll be a while. Yeah, I would advise. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a topic for another time. Right? Yeah, our, our Bitcoin episode. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And you say you have this um, um fin fintech um education thing that you wanted to do also. And let's say if we were to give you about a million dollars, like a Pakish grant, Pakish sponsorship of million dollars. Let's in say Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> in Bitcoin. I will just take it and leave. <laughs> go go to some island already. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, let's say if you had like maybe unlimited resources mm. um to build not only Upture but something else, what would your, your dream project be? Honestly I always wanted okay, not not that I always wanted, I recently wanted a business of my own, hence Upture. Mm. Um mm. but I I'm very careful with um scaling businesses. Right. We've seen how businesses fail all the time, you know, when they scale too fast um, and too much. So I think even with additional resources, I would still be more careful uh, with the planning. And I think definitely something that helps automate marketing in the future. So something that's mm. like Mar- MarTech. Yeah, I think that would be cool. MarTech. MarTech. Wow. Sounds some sci-fi like on Mars. Like Martech. <laughs> you haven't seen that? Like I think there's a conference coming up in Singapore. Marketing oh, tech. Shit. Yeah. Nice. We'll, we'll look it up. We'll have a look. And we're down to our, our last question already. And this is just um to sum mm-hmm. up what, what we've been saying. But what advice would you give to someone who's looking mm-hmm. to start their own business? Or let's say, or a simple way to, to put it is like, what would you tell someone who is less one, two years behind you in a way, what advice will you give them if right. they wanted to start their own business and be where you are? I mean, I'm not where, I'm not like anywhere near my ideal, you know, place yet, but mm. um, I'm comfortable. But I think it's important to be humble uh, so that you can really learn. I mean, nobody is really good at the start. So no matter how much you know, there's always more things to learn. Be humble and also be smart in terms of when you're talking to others, mentors, and right. know their objective as well. Because I do right. do think that there are a lot of mentors out there or advisors who don't really have your best interests at heart. So mm. you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, I think for for us, like like after our conversation, even with, with you, like your the advice you, you gave me was, was something that that I still think about to this day and 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 
and you you kind of set like a certain milestone of where I want to be in the future. Like, oh, really? like, like having that, yeah. I mean, I mean to have your own like business and to help people um um do something with their brand and help and bring value to others. I guess that's that's what I see you are doing, and because that's why you've um given to me like some value and and advice on how to start. And I also want to give that to other people. So oh, definitely, thanks. um, looking at you as a a, a benchmark is a. It's a good way. Well, I may just be <laughs> at NCID swabbing for the next few months. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, well, then, then I'll switch to another person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and I think one, to add on to what you said for the mentors, but I think one thing that I've, I saw recently was that, like you said, mentors, not, not many mentors have your best interests at heart um, because, I mean, they have their own... Um, their own purpose of doing things, their own reasons of doing things yeah. and their own agenda. Yeah. Um, and you can't blame them. Everyone has their agenda. Mm. Um, but I think one advice I've heard was that instead of mentors, you kind of look up to heroes instead mm. to find a group of heroes that that you can not only learn from because you kind of, usually the people you see online they that you look up to, they already have this journey out there. Everything mm. is about everything is kind of online. They re- they write books and this and that, and the resources are out there to learn from them. And yeah, you mm. can kind of get into the mindset of you know this phrase like what would Jesus do? <laughs> you kind of think about that, but you kind of change that. I mean, Jesus is a good role model, but you you kind of replace that with someone you want to see in the future. Yeah. So like, what would um I don't know who's a Gary, who's a, Gary V. Yeah, what would Gary V do in, in this position? Mm. And you don't have to be one person, you can be another person like in, in when you're playing f- football, like what would what would Ronaldo mm. do or, or something like that, you know? Mm. Um so I think that was a good interesting something that helped me change my perspective of that and put me in a better frame of mind in terms of uh, mentorship and to instead have like a group of heroes like like Shazam, you know, Shazam has these different mm. heroes that give him different um, strengths and mm. Um, unique abilities so I think one advice I would say is to look out for for your look for your heroes instead and and mm. that can be a good way to to know what you want to achieve and who to learn from also mm. it's very interesting yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's That's because my... also they, they, they have so, sort of set the roadmap for you yeah. ahead also so you know mm. where, where you want to go yeah um, thank you Coco for your time I think yeah, it's, thank it was you a, so much it was a great and insightful yeah. conversation about your journey and, and your experiences I, I do want to know more about the <laughs> cryptocurrency okay sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, maybe for another time yep yeah, no problem time. Um, I think I think a lot of people definitely don't don't fully understand it they, they've seen it in the news it's kind of like politics you know like you see it everywhere it's like it's like all like almost getting like very popular and people know it seems the more popular it gets the less people know about it mm. yeah and I feel like there's still a lot of scams out there so gotta be careful right. Right. yeah for sure um, yeah Coco thank you for your time um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did yeah definitely thank you so much yeah. again for like reaching out and then you know scheduling this it's amazing no worries thank you thank you and maybe lastly could you just let our listeners know where they can find you or how can they uh, look for you and, and Upture yeah uh, you can just go to Upture.digital <laughs> like it's on Instagram <laughs> the website um, U-P-T-U-R-E dot digital yeah mm. so it's the same um, username for Instagram and Facebook and 
Facebook website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Upture.digital. Yes. Thank, okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Coco. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.